Hi, psychology nerds, and welcome to another episode of Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, one of your hosts, and I'm here with a friend who needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyways because it would be rude not to. It's the chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungess. How's it going, G? It is going terrific today. How about you? It's going well. Okay, so I have a question, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this beforehand, but I have a question. I am too. So we have long talked about how I don't always pronounce your name correctly. Uh, This has been a a 17-year problem, is my understanding. (laughs) Like once you learned what my actual name was, which was also an issue. (laughs) There was was also an early snafu uh, where (laughs) I told my class I didn't know who Dr. Wilson was, and then realized... (laughs) It was because it was you <laughs> by a different name. Um, so that was not great. But here's the thing. Yesterday, as you know, I called you from my car. And in doing so, I asked Suri to call you. And Suri pronounced your name back to me. And, it, and Suri did it a little differently than I normally do. And so then it got me wondering and sort of second and triple guessing whether or not Suri knows you better than I do. So I spiraled a little bit. But here's my question. Have you ever asked Suri to pronounce your name? And do you know, like, does Suri, does Suri do it correctly? Well, first of all, it's Siri, not okay. Suri. Well, so we, you we already just... have issues and maybe that's why <laughs> they pronounced it back to you in that way. They're just messing with you. Like you I... call me Suri, I'm going to call you uh, Ryan Martin. <laughs> is it really? So wait, what is it? It's Siri? It's Siri. Not Suri. Where? Where, I, you don't know what my is happening name. <laughs> you don't know my phone's name. You don't know what it goes by. <laughs> well, so, but no, I have never asked Siri to pronounce my name, but now I'm going to because okay. you kind of don't pronounce it correctly I know. still. It's, and but I love you anyway, and I don't care. And it's not that I haven't tried. I mean, it right. is the right. yeah. Well, it, the Georgina part is great. And most of the time, as our guests know, you call me G. And, yeah. and so that avoids all sorts of problems. And so let's just go with that. Nice. Okay. That sounds but it, good. it is Wilson Dengis. Dengis. Like the O never existed. Well, then like a Dengis. <laughs> then, then why is it there, Georgina? That's the real question. Because those Germans. <laughs> okay. okay. That's why. I can can go with this. Um, Okay. Well, here's here's your assignment. You're going to ask Siri, (laughs) that is what we now call her, (laughs) um, to pronounce your name later. And I want you to report back to me whether or not she is closer than I am. I'm definitely going to do this. I will do this. I will embrace that this homework assignment. Okay. And actually pronouncing names is something that we are also have been talking about with our guest today. So yeah. isn't that a fabulous, um, I, I'm nervous for how you're going to pronounce yeah. our guest's name today, but I can't wait. Should I give you a drum yeah. roll? Yeah, no, you should not. Let's not make too much of this because I can still really screw this up. Right. <laughs> so, um, No, that was a dynamite segue. So let's get into it. Our guest today is an assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. She researches the intricacy of adult development and aging with a specific emphasis on health promotion. Her research focuses on healthy aging in middle-aged and older adults. I think she's talking about us, Georgina. 
Much of her work explores adult physical activity engagement and the motivational barriers to engagement. She graduated with an MS and a PhD in lifespan developmental psychology from West Virginia University. She is also a wizard with statistics. It's Dr. Abby Nearcorn Bailey. Hello, thank you. And you pronounced that correctly. Yes, thank and... God. See, I got it on year one for, <laughs> for her. <laughs> so. We'll keep track after 17 years, we can check back in. But yes. I will. I will try that with Siri as well. Yeah. But I was wondering if you had a different version of Siri that was now Surrey. So that was that was fun. This is, there are a handful of words that I cannot say. And I am so bad at them that I actually just don't even try anymore. This is okay. Yeah, this sure. is, we are flying in the face of our recent episode, Georgina, on growth mindset, because I'm admitting right now, I'm never going to be able to say the word bagel correctly. No, you are not. It's a bagel for you forever. (laughs) So I've given up on that, but all right. So enough about me and my difficulties. I want to hear more, I guess. um, Well, let's, let's start with this. Um, How did you get interested in this as a research area? Yeah, so there really were a lot of different experiences that helped get me to where I am today. So um, I was lucky enough to start helping with research when I was in undergrad. Um, I was part of a few different labs there. And one of them that I uh, first joined was a developmental lab. And we did a lot looking at college students' cognition, which was fun. Um, And then each summer, I would have a different internship. And uh, my first summer, I interned at a domestic abuse agency because I thought I wanted to go into clinical psych. Uh, Turns out it was not for me, but it was an amazing experience. I got to first kind of focus on some health components while I interned there. And so that was really where my interest in health developed. Um, I kept engaging in research and um, I really seemed to gravitate to that developmental side. And when I would tell people that I was interested in developmental psychology, they would always say, oh, you like working with kids or um, something like that, something about working with kids. And working with kids is great. Um, They're amazing. That's great. Uh, Super important work. Um, But it just bothered me that there wasn't as much of a focus on adults. And so that really stuck with me. And I just really wanted to bring more awareness to adult development um, and just kind of be part of that field. Um, And so that was kind of where that began. And so as I continued through college, I um, did my um, capstone project on adult development and health promotion. Um, I then started looking into graduate schools that had that focus, and I was able to find my mentor uh, at WVU, Dr. Julie Hicks-Patrick, who um, a lot of her work focuses on aging adult health promotion. And so for many years, we worked on a health coaching study that tried to get people to increase their physical activity. And I really liked that physical activity could be tailored to individuals um, and it's effective. It's non-pharmacological, non-invasive, all of those things, which is great. And we know that it can um, help in a variety of ways with our health. So I became more focused thinking about self-efficacy in connection to physical activity. Um, 
but that's one motivational barrier. So then I was starting to think about other barriers, um, which led me to thinking about views of aging and the whole aging process. And from there, after I got my PhD, I took um, a postdoc position at Colorado State University with Dr. Manfred Deal, and um, I got to help work on a clinical trial there called Aging Plus, uh, which looked specifically at targeting negative use of aging and self-efficacy as mechanisms to increase physical activity. Um, So really, it just everything kind of led from one place to another. And that's how I got here. And I love it. I love that. Like when throughout your, your journey uh, to, to what you're studying right now, that it seems that it was always looking for the positive, like, Mm -hmm. like promoting health or increasing the likelihood of, or of, you know, participating in physical activity or self-efficacy, like Mm -hmm. instead of looking at them as deficits, it it seems like uh, you have a very, um, a very positive approach. Do you think Mm -hmm. that that's true? And was that a a choice that you made? Yeah, I absolutely think that's true. I, one reason why I gravitated to a lifespan developmental um, graduate program was because I I truly believe and support the idea that development is lifelong. Um, there are gains and losses across the lifespan, and you know I don't think that's always um, shown or portrayed in the media or throughout different ways in our society, and that really bothered me. Um, I I think just you know there's a lot of focus about the aging process being negative. And what we see in research is that there are so many then um, negative outcomes or how it's adversely affecting our health. um, And it doesn't need to be that way. So, yeah, I definitely, you know, started early on with this focus on the positive side of things. And just as I've continued to get deeper and deeper into the research, uh, I've seen just how important that is um, and just trying to promote that positive side of the aging process. And yeah, I love it. It's I I'm biased, but I think it's great. (laughs) So now I I hate to have to ask based on what we just said, but I'm going to, (laughs) what are some of those negative views on aging that end up, uh, you know, serving as barriers? Yep. So in general, negative views of aging are referring to negative attitudes about aging, Um, about older adults in general as a group. Um, And so some examples of specific negative views of aging would be thinking that um, aging is a time of frailty or older adulthood is a time when you're frail um, and ill and you're forgetful. um, You just have aches and pains. You can't do as much. You're not part of society or contributing to the community. Those would be some examples of negative views of aging. And I can definitely see how uh, something like that could make someone choose not to put themselves out there, especially like in a public kind of um, exercise, exercise, I'm going to use that word, but you can use whatever, (laughs) whatever term is more proper there. But I, I feel like um, that could make someone just feel like, oh, I don't belong Mm -hmm. in the gym because other people think I don't belong. Is that true? 
so we still don't totally understand the the mechanisms as to how negative views of aging are contributing to these outcomes. But it, I mean, you're spot on. Um, we see in research that people who hold these negative views of aging are less likely to engage in physical activity. Um, they're more likely to, uh, or they're likely to have worse functional health, physical health, mental health, cognitive functioning, um, and experience earlier mortality. If I can plug in just one really, I think, uh, just big finding was that people who have positive views of aging tend to live longer on average by about seven and a half years than people with negative views of aging. So the mechanisms as to why or how I think are still really being examined. This is still a relatively newer area of research, which again is really exciting. Um, but we're still kind of, at least I'm still working on figuring out um, exactly how or why specifically, but we definitely see those connections to health promotion or health behaviors. I find myself in a weird spot here because I, I would admit that I, I think I do have some negative views of aging. I will admit when you started reading off the list there, I was like, oh yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's what I think. And also that and that. And so, but I also find myself thinking those are some of the things that actually motivate me to engage in physical fitness. You know, that it's, I find myself often thinking about how, um, and I totally get how they would be barriers for some, but that, that I find myself kind of thinking, well, I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z when I'm retired. And because I want to do those things, it means I've got to take care of myself now, you know? Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that something you encounter? Um, honestly, not as much. I think that's great that you have that sort of viewpoint. Um, but generally speaking, I, I feel like I don't hear that as much or when we do, or when I have, um, been looking at negative views of aging and, and these negative health outcomes or how they're adversely affected, it seems as though people are more so internalizing these negative views of aging and that's potentially then impacting how they're, you know, behaving, um, or how they then, um, how their health then uh, kind of comes out. So I, I think that's great that it's motivating you, but I don't know that that's necessarily what's happening for the majority of others. <laughs> and I can see that I had a recent, like kind of funny incident. Uh, I injured myself uh, playing pickleball and I was that's not funny, just so we're clear. Uh, no, that, that part's not funny. <laughs> That's not the funny part. <laughs> That's not the funny part. The funny part is I was emailing uh, a friend and I was telling the tale. I was playing pickleball and I injured myself and I put the sentence aging sucks uh, in my email. Well, Outlook actually like tone corrected me. It said, are you sure you want to use this tone? And I was like, Yes, <laughs> but it's funny to me, like when I think about that, that's definitely like a negative view of aging, like getting old sucks I, that I have clearly internalized and also blamed for my injury um, when it was probably because I didn't stretch out. But, you know, like there are other <laughs> reasons why, but I thought it was really interesting that Outlook looked at that, that statement and it's like, 
no, you can't internalize that negative view of aging or you're going to die earlier is wow. what I think I just learned. <laughs> wow. Look at that. No, I had no part of that. So that's really, <laughs> that's interesting. I have not heard of that, but love that. Um, <laughs> but I'm sorry for you, obviously. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, honestly, the thing is we, as a society are so often, um, kind of shown or listen to different sorts of things that kind of reinforce this idea that the aging process is negative. Um, some prime examples would be like over the hill jokes or, um, you know, people saying I've had a senior moment or those kinds of things where it's so commonplace that we probably aren't even thinking about it that much just because we hear it so much or we see it so much. Um, so you know, I think it can happen all the time. I still have moments where I think, oh, I, you know, shouldn't have just thought about that. Like that was pretty negative or that was maybe an age stereotype and, you know, need to rewind. But I think just being aware of things is, is important. I think that's a really important first step. I was wondering if you're going to share that story, G. <laughs> When we started this episode, it's like, do I have to bring this up or do I have to wait for her to? Um, so, yeah, I am. Uh, I still can't believe I haven't been tone pleased by Outlook yet. No, <laughs> utterly shocking to me. Um, so I, I am curious, though. I think something that is interesting that I'm thinking about is that I I am not. I'm so full disclosure uh i am in midlife like you know at the i am probably at that stage where people would talk about someone having a midlife crisis etc cetera, etc cetera. um but i also i find myself actually sort of half embracing or acknowledging that some bad stuff is about to happen um not just physically but also like this is an age where friends are more likely to get sick where i'm starting to maybe see parents get ill or pass away and things like that like that that i'm sort of acknowledging that yet still excited for some other uh, upcoming elements some other upcoming stages and so like any stage of life, there's there are legitimate bad things about this age, and then there are also legitimately good things about this age. Would you agree that it? I guess it, first of all, is that true or is that fair? And then also, would you um, would you agree that maybe part of what we have to do is shift at least some of our focus to those positive things at some mm -hmm. point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Definitely, we do see changes with um, age, especially advancing age, and um, the chance of developing chronic health conditions. <clears throat> excuse me, chronic health conditions, for example, increases um, with age, and so we do see some of those things. You know, there might be some cognitive changes. Usually, they're just mild, um, but there definitely are changes to the body, to the system as a whole. Um, but again, I think it goes back to. Just some some principles of developmental psychology, the idea that we can kind of shift our resources, like you said, um, and even just really, you know, being aware of what we're able to do, listening to the body, um, and also thinking about, well, okay, maybe I can't do this as well, but what's another way that I can still engage in this activity? Um, or what's another way that I can still enjoy X if I can't do what I used to do? Um, so I think you hit that like head on um, that there might be that shift that we need to really think about in order to, you know, kind of deal with some of the changes that we might have going on. Absolutely. 
I've been thinking um, since I've been reading some of your work and thinking about this episode um, about like programs and like residential places that are specifically designed for older adults. And does that, do those things like I'm thinking about silver sneakers, which is like that, that an exercise class for older adults or like, what do they call them? Like the sunset communities or whatever, like the golden age uh, communities, like in Florida and Arizona, like a retirement community. Mm -hmm. Do they do more harm than good or can they be good to provide services just for seniors? Or would it be better to have like a mixed exercise class with all age and skill levels? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that those specific programs that are out there like Silver Sneakers or um, potentially some of the other Sunset Golden Hour workout classes that you were talking about can be good. Um, I think it's nice, as my understanding of Silver Sneakers goes, it's a free program for older adults or adults over the age of 65. Um, so that's great. Uh, it seems like they've got in-person online classes. So just the fact that there are these classes available, uh, I think is awesome because sometimes, you know, transportation could be an issue, for example. Uh, so maybe having an online class is allowing someone to be able to still be active, but in a different way. Um, since it, it seems like it's a group-based uh, setting or class, we know that social support um, can be really good in terms of being active. So I think that's really great. Um, and it, it sounds as though they've got classes for different levels um, or different fitness levels, which I think is really important. Uh, it seems like sometimes maybe some trepidation that people may have with having mixed classes or just going to a class in general that's not specific for adults or middle-aged adults or older adults is that potentially, you know, there could be um a difference between what the teacher is doing or showing versus what a person is able to do. Uh, and nobody wants to get to a class and feel like they can't do what everybody else or others in the room is what they're doing. Um, so in that regard, I think the fact that this is more specific to 65 and older could be good just so that it's inclusive for people who may have some maybe balance issues, for example, or um, you know, just different abilities uh, of function. So I, I like the idea of it. I think it is good. Um, I think it can also be good to have mixed classes, but maybe if the teacher or whoever is in charge of the class um, is also aware that, you know, it would be good to demonstrate a variety of different activities um, for people across functional levels. Yeah, I mean, in so many ways, this feels, I mean, I think this is a very specific example of what we see in lots of cases of, of I mean, the the gym, quote unquote, can be a really, really difficult place for people to go, right? And I've seen this with countless clients of different ages who are trying to get back into fitness in some way and essentially saying, yeah, but this is, it's a really intimidating place and I'm scared I'm using the equipment wrong or I'm scared mm -hmm. I don't know the norms or I'm whatever. And so, so the idea of creating, you know, a safer space for someone I think makes sense, but I also get what you're saying too, G about, well, yeah, but it also sends a message that like, we need to sort of 
divide in some way and like separate and in a way that might strengthen some of the the stereotypes or the negative stereotypes that we have Mm -hmm. i'm curious what you think what are what are some opportunities whether it's with individuals or with a broader uh, sort of broader social messaging that we could have to change some of those negative views on aging Honestly, I think the biggest thing is just bringing education and awareness um, to the idea that the aging process is positive, can be positive, and we don't need to see it in a in a negative way. Um, you know, something that I read recently uh, was saying that you know gyms sometimes will have posters or pictures up, and oftentimes they're of young adults engaging in some physical activity. Uh, but I think it would be really cool if some of those also showed middle-aged adults and older adults um, engaging in different activities. So I think that's one thing that, you know, could be done that's, you know, on a case-by-case basis. <laughs> um, but I, th- I thought that was really cool. Um, something I read um, from a researcher, Dr. Becca Levy, um, who is big with um, this research also was journaling and keeping track of the number of negative versus positive sorts of instances that a person has seen um, throughout the week of watching Netflix or just going about their daily lives. And then at the end of the week, kind of looking at all of those and thinking about, um, is this negative or positive? Is there a positive way of thinking about something that previously seemed negative Um, or just thinking about things in a different way? Um, versus maybe how we normally would based on kind of what we're um, told by society. But honestly, I think the biggest thing really comes down to just the education component and trying to show or demonstrate that aging can be positive. I think that that is awesome. Do you think, are we, are we ready um, to switch? So um, we love when we have uh, brand new faculty <laughs> come on as guests on our podcast. And we have a tradition that uh, we do a segment called five questions where Ryan and I will uh, ask you just like simply random questions <laughs> that okay. pop into our minds uh, and have you answer them. So are you, are you cool with that? Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to ask the first question since I'm talking and it's going to be related to um, the things that you research. So um, what is your favorite kind of physical activity? Mm. Um, that's hard. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, I do really like being active. I love being physically active. Um, my husband and I really love to do a bunch of strength training. Um, we actually just finished renovating the third solver garage into a home gym. Um, so we've got our squat rack and everything there. So I really enjoy doing that. Um, but growing up, I played tennis, um, for the majority of my life and I love that. So I still love to go out and play tennis when I can, but, you know, I think that's also kind of where my um, love for strength training came in just because we would do some strength training for practices. Um, so yeah, I, I love a lot of different things, tennis, skiing, um, but really even just doing strength training, you know, for, at the end of the day to kind of just cool down uh, is something I really love. 
when I get back from my pickleball injury, I'm going to introduce you to pickleball and you're going to love it. <laughs> yes. I've been, I've been wanting to try it. I actually, um, my dad got a pickleball set for his birthday and he's been talking to me about it. And, um, I love, uh, ping pong or table tennis as well, because I found that some of my tennis, <laughs> um, hits and spin <laughs> translate to ping pong, which I never thought of. Um, so I'm curious if that'll help me with uh, pickleball. Probably it not, will. but you know, we'll see. <laughs> I, you know, it's tennis is one of those sports that I think um, one of my gripes with kind of like childhood gym classes is that I think they tend to, they tend to focus too much on sports that are hard to play lifelong. Uh, you know, that you end up like having units on football and soccer. And those are like team sports that are a little bit tough to find organized versions of after. Tennis is one of those great lifelong sports, though. My my brother and sister still play all the time, you know, that that and they're older than I am. And I mean, it's just a it's one that you can often find like sort of leagues for and so on, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah. My my dad actually taught me how to play when I was young. Um, and it was funny. He, you know, I was a young kid and he gave me his books from when he learned from like the seventies and he was like, just read these and then we'll go and play. And I was like, well, I don't know about that dad, but we'll do it. But anytime we still get together, we'll play. And you know, he's in his sixties. So I, I totally agree. And I love it. My mom is still, in fact, I think she just won a tournament recently. She is 79. That's um, amazing. And, wow. Well, yeah. I aspire to be like her. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I barely played when I was growing up, but I come from a big tennis family. So here, oh. what I'm going to do is every now and then I'm going to ask you questions so that I have things to talk about <laughs> them, uh, later about people who are who are good right now. Because my mom okay. always wants to talk tennis, but I don't know anything anymore. So okay, um, well, we yeah. just had the U.S. Open, so we yes. we've got some new people we can yep. we can bring to the conversation. That's good. I heard. I needed I needed you two weeks ago when she was oh, texting no. me, and she's like, "You got to check out this match between so and so and so and so." My mom is. Um, Arthur Ashe in particular is an idol of my mom's. And so the U S open in particular is a really meaningful tournament to her. But, oh, okay. That's wonderful. Uh, so, uh, okay. Um, are you messy or organized? Ooh. Um, I guess it depends on what <laughs> the, the context is. If it's in terms of work, um, and my, my office space, then I like to be organized. <laughs> um, you know, there might be times where it gets a little messy and then I just need to clean it and organize it and feel like everything's right in the world. Um, at home, <laughs> I may be a little bit messier. Um, my husband tends to kind of be the first one to be like, okay, let's, let's do a clean. But that's really because of, we've got two dogs who shed a lot with the dog hair. So, I mean, I guess a little bit of both in that context. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you um, a similar question. Uh, so we, we are, um, well, when this episode comes out, we'll be in the midst of fall. So pumpkin spice, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, oh yeah. I love it. I love it. I first learned about it. I think during high school when Starbucks came out with their, I don't even know what it was, but something pumpkin. PSL. <laughs> yes. And I never have looked back. So, you know, now I love going to 
non-Starbucks places. Starbucks is still good, but I love going to little coffee houses. Um, and if it's fall time, 100%, that's what I'm getting. <laughs> People are going to know our questions aren't random, Georgina, because we <laughs> two weeks in a row, we've asked the exact same questions. So I, I, questions. Know. <laughs> I, I don't think I asked this one, the other one. So here we go. And it's a longer one. Bear with me. If you had to be shipwrecked on a deserted island, but all of your human needs, such as food and water, were taken care of, what two items would you want to have with you? Mm. We're going to say no to dogs and humans. Oh, well, that okay. was my first choice. <laughs> I and I lumped my two dogs together as one. Okay. Oh, gosh. Well, then that made it a lot harder. Um, I was going to say... Well, I love to read. So I will say having like my, my waterproof Kindle, um, that'll be, that'll be important. So that'll help keep me distracted from being shipwrecked. Um, man, what's the second thing? Oh, that's hard. What else could I do solo? And yeah, maybe my laptop. So, so my first <laughs> thought was I can stay up to date on research and things that might not be my focus if I'm shipwrecked, but that was kind of my, my second thought after reading. Um, Once a nerd, always a nerd. Yeah, we no, can't no, help no, ourselves. No. I feel like that's a great answer. Yeah. I mean, I could write, I could journal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Read. Well, I guess I want to have Wi-Fi. Mm. Yeah, a, lap a laptop with Wi-Fi. If, if you'll be so generous as to grant me that, I, I'm happy to do that. Okay, I, mean, I think thanks. the first thing you should do is probably send an email asking for help. Probably, um, yeah. <laughs> my answer would be, you know, a flare gun, and uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll say like, give me a week, and then please deliver the goods. Perfect. Perfect. Very good. All right. If you um, had to choose, what is your favorite? Would you rather cook or bake? I love to cook. Um, I honestly like to bake as well, but I cook so much more often. <laughs> um, I love meal prepping on Sundays. I get all my groceries then, and then I meal prep for the week. So then I've got my lunches and dinners and everything set. And each week or weekend, I enjoy just going through my cookbooks and seeing what do I want to make for the week. Um, so yeah, definitely. That's what I do more often and feel much more comfortable with. <laughs> wow. You're my idol. I'm oh, like, well. wow. Every time I hear somebody talk about meal prep, I'm, I just like, wow, that's such a dream. <laughs> oh, I, I, I honestly didn't start getting into it until about maybe three years ago. Um, and I realized just how helpful it was and it really limited how often my husband and I would then just go and get food out yeah. um, and I could be healthier that way. Um, so it honestly ended up saving me time and money and um, I enjoy it. It's just kind of a little break for me over the weekend. So it's, it's been good. You can do yeah. it too. I have no doubt. <laughs> oh, I, I can't tell you how important meal prep is to me from a, like every, every week. I mean, we go through that as well. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it for all the reasons you just mentioned, I mean, it, I eat healthier, we save money. I, um, I even just, I think I just eat, I have more fun eating because there's more sort of variance in what we select each week, you know? And, yeah. That's a beautiful thing today. Uh, for lunch, I had grapes and corn. Cause that's all I had. Nice. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> 
I haven't. Yeah, perhaps would it be a dream? <laughs> I have only had grapes so far, but that's because I forgot to eat my lunch. But I, I will as soon as we're done eat it. That said, I should also preface things. I eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch every single day. So <laughs> there's no variance there at all. But sure, that's okay. <laughs> very good. Hey, it has been so, so great talking to you. And um, if people want to learn more about you, they can check out the UWGB website where there is information about you and the courses you teach and things like that. Um, I assume that if students are interested in getting involved in your research, they should reach out to you. Yes, yes. I am recruiting students to be part of my lab. So I'm very excited for that. Very excited to get students involved and um, you know, really get their hands dirty with research and how much they want to be a part of. Um, but I love having students, you know, contribute to manuscripts or do some research um, and present it. So yes, if you're interested, please contact me. I would love to talk. Excellent. That sounds good. Students, get to it. Um, <laughs> Georgina, will you tell people where they can find you if they want to know more? Sure, you can find me on social media um, at Georgina WD, so G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D. Note that she does not include her last name in that. <laughs> makes me think maybe she doesn't even know how to pronounce oh, Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so everybody, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at Anger Professor, and you can follow the show at Psych and Stuff on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Good places to ask questions, learn about new episodes, request topics for episodes, and more. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Rachel Scray. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salick, and our graphic designer is Kimberly Luis. Special thanks to our guest today, Dr. Abby Nearborn-Bailey. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina WD. Keep being amazing. <laughs>